Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, and I am the Dream Business Coach. I have a fantastic interview for you today. Dan Moore is a programmer since the age of eight. Now, I'll figure out if that was with the Radio Shack computer, or maybe he's not that old, but, and he is a, a Georgia Tech graduate. Dan is a trained computer scientist who meticulously crafts ideas into scalable products, always one for over-communication and compulsive attention to detail. He coordinates Vaporware's relationships with clients and partners, leads all product management, and still contributes quite a bit of code and design. After brief stints in enterprise and mid-market data center service providers, Dan co-founded Vaporware to help entrepreneurs take their software ideas to market. Over the past six years, he helped Vaporware deliver thousands of iterations across dozens of apps in four main industries, uh, healthcare, HR, real estate, and IT, ranging from the first MVP versions to the modern iterations on modern solutions. Dan, that, that's quite a resume. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me, Jim. Yeah, no worries. And um, so, folks, uh, Dan is from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, Steph and I, as, as we're doing the interview, are still in uh, Cocoa Beach, but hopefully in about two weeks, we'll be start, starting our, our trek back to uh, the Chesapeake Bay. But I'm always curious, Dan. I love interviewing entrepreneurs. been doing it a long time. Um, did, you, did you know you were going to be an entrepreneur? Did you have a, a, a mentor, a father, a grandfather, or, or mother? What was, your, what was that route like to where you founded your company? Uh, it was uh, it was very accidental. So um, neither of my parents were entrepreneurs. I wasn't really uh, grown up around it at all. Um, always always had a, a curious itch to kind of question everything in authority, which is very similar to what entrepreneurs do. Mm-hmm. But um, realizing that all sorts of systems and things around us are malleable and uh, up for change. So. Um, had a had a natural upbringing in that kind of way, but um, no real business training by any stretch of the imagination. And and as CEO and main operator of the company, you definitely have to do a lot of stuff that's outside of my comfort zone. So, isn't that funny? Most entrepreneurs, I believe, have a they have a skill or a talent, or maybe they've developed a product, but then that's what they start with. And then you, you get a little success, you grow a business, you realize, man, I don't know anything about HR and sales <laughs> and all that other stuff. So exactly. We all, we all jump in the deep end. So um, you co-founded Vaporware to help entrepreneurs uh, with their software ideas. What, what exactly does that I mean? Software is a pretty big category. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, uh, we actually started building our own software initially and kind of fell into consulting. So there's a really uh, great entrepreneurial movement in Raleigh, North Carolina about, about the time we were getting started. Um, and we just joined up and met a couple other startup founders that were good at the other pieces. So our, our skill set that uh, myself and my co-founder were good at was, was building software. But we had no idea about marketing or sales or any other aspect at the time. Um, and so we found uh, a couple of local people that 
needed software built, um, had minimal kind of budgets and fell into what we now consider consulting or contract uh, software design development and product management work. So what we what do, do now though is, is help those um, other people like that original founder that we met um, have, that have ideas and don't know how to take it to market and don't maybe know software development in and of themselves. So what kind of software to entrepreneur and I guess people could have different uh, definitions of entrepreneur. Who are some of your, not, not specifically, but generally who are some of your entrepreneurial clients? Are they, you know, small business owners with a number of employees or, you know, solo operators or what? Yeah, our first three years in business when we were um, just moonlighting and we're really risk adverse uh, for <laughs> entrepreneurs. And so we were just saving up money and uh, reinvesting everything we made back into the company to make sure we had uh, strong cash flows. But um, our initial people we were meeting with are um, mostly young, under 40 um, individuals that had an idea and didn't have any customers yet. So they were still trying to find what we call now product market fit um, or those first 10 customers where they can actually start collecting money and seeing if they have a viable business idea. Um, mm. Now three, well, that's eight years later um, for the past four or five years, we've been focusing more on the mid market companies um, where you have uh, 50 to 500 employees and these, these small medium businesses have a decent bit of revenue and are looking to innovate and, and either disrupt themselves or their industry or beat out the competition in some way because we've, we found out that they have the same problems as entrepreneurs, that there's always change in the market and product ideas and um, they're, they're looking to stay ahead of that change and be the catalyst and, and capitalize on that. Mm. So, um, I think I mentioned you working with healthcare, HR, real estate, and IT. Um, has one of those emerged as one of the leading, uh, you know, one of your specialties, or are they kind of 25% each? Um, so, real estate is, is pretty small. That, that had a couple of our initial clients were really focused on the prop tech space, which was big a few years ago. A couple of leaders have emerged there, though, so that's a smaller um, portion of our revenue these days. Um, the the leading one that we're most passionate about, I would say, is the healthcare space. Okay. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of opportunity for innovation. Um, it's a very old system in a lot of ways. Um, there's a lot of regulation and uh, barrier to entry, and it's a high high cost, high high dollar amount market. Um, because when you're dealing with uh, people's lives and uh, the economies of of open markets, just kind of change drastically. So. Um, that I would say is our, our biggest space and, and one that we're most passionate about as individuals. So we're a really small team and we kind of get to define our own future still. So, um, it's not like we're playing into a, a bigger system like an enterprise might be, um, yeah. we're gonna, able to create the, the dream and where we want to be. So that's gotta be the hardest one if, in my opinion. I mean, it's just because healthcare is changing so rapidly, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's different every day uh, right now, but, and it, and it will be for the foreseeable future. I mean, you have um, uh, policies coming through, you have um, all sorts of different technologies coming out that are rapidly changing. You have the science behind um, 
different medicines and uh, what's really interesting about software is what little um, effort goes in can create massive amounts of value. So we have a couple of clients in the telemedicine space that are um, building software, building tools um, that only need to be built once and then can be used uh, and scaled very easily with a very small team. So we're looking at 10x, 100x, 1000x returns on the effort that you need to put in uh, from the software perspective. So it's, it's very different than like initial R&D of medicine that takes years and years to do. Right. Um, but the, the personality and the, um, the psychology and the sociology behind medicine and the impact uh, that it can have and the spread of information through telemedicine, for example, um, is just phenomenal, the amount of gains that you can get. So. And what, how does a business owner make the decision to buy or build something? Mm. I mean, I'm sure most people, given their preference, would rather have something that's customized and unique to their business, proprietary perhaps, but not everybody. I'm sure that's probably one of the discussions you have from, you know, at the sales perspective of what you do mm. is how, to, how do you con- let people know, well, maybe it's not a million dollars. Well, if it is, you correct me, but not every software developed is a million dollar program, right? Right. Absolutely. So custom software, and and we use that term very generally, um, is everything from the small automation that moves email from one inbox to one other tool, um, which is like a couple hundred bucks kind of thing. Um, all the way up to completely brand new programs and large data centers that are launching space shuttles. So millions to billions of dollars. Um, where, where we really like to focus and, and to speak directly to that question of if someone comes to us and say, Hey, I have this great idea. One of the very first things that we do with them is we go through this um, planning sprint. So we time box it to three days. We do a lot of competitor research. We really understand the problem. We map out the entire solution. We really focus on using a technique called a business model canvas, focus on a core value proposition that says, this is the one most important thing that's going to really impact these customers and these users and change their lives. And this is why they'll pay um, tons and tons of money for this or um, pay a little bit of money and there'll be tons of people. Um, And so this is why it makes sense to invest in it. a lot of the time it's a combination. So it's not like we're, we're building everything from scratch. Open source has changed our industry for the better where we can just pull in these pieces from all these different places. Um, like we don't ever have to create a billing system again and integrate with banks to collect money because there's a tool out there called Stripe that allows us to do that. Um, and, and that exists for everything. That exists for video chat, that exists for phone calls, that exists for text messages, email. So we can just combine all these tools in a new unique way um, and deliver that to market. For example, in the healthcare space, we were working with a doctor with a small practice um, who wanted to expand his customer base by text messaging uh, directly with patients and providing medical services over text message. Um, That in and of itself is not a brand new technology. Uh, Text message is really old. Doctoring is very old. It's actually not even a, a new method um, being able to communicate with patients over uh, different kind of chats and having a concierge service. I mean, predates hospitals and all that kind of stuff. So um, what 
is unique is that timing and uh, the value that the market has of that. So he found a way to go outside of uh, traditional insurance, healthcare insurance companies and not require uh, the people using the service to have healthcare um, insurance. So there's a whole bunch of small, uh, unique perspectives and pieces to that overall puzzle that really gets uh, the value to those end customers or those patients in that case. Dan, how do you as a founding member, as you grow vaporware larger, I think what I see is so many business owners, they start out and they're really forward thinking. It's kind of, there's no, no blinders on it. You know, the world is big possibility. And then next thing you know, you got several clients and projects and you're kind of head down knee deep handling the immediate day-to-day work. I don't mm-hmm. know if, if you found that yet, but how do you stay sharp and, and you know, keep, keep your skills and your coding mind and all that yeah. stuff, you know, looking at the horizon, so to speak. Clumsy question, but I think you know where I'm going. Absolutely. Um, it's hard. <laughs> there's, yeah. no, there's no easy answer to that. Um, I think there's this uh, general curiosity Uh, There's this really good book called Range by David Epstein um, that talks specifically about um, how uh, you can uh, cultivate a very broad, um, I like to use the term, a a T-shaped personality where you know a little bit about a very, like a ton of things, but you're really deep on only one of those things. And so I'm really deep on the software aspect, but I'm just naturally curious about all these other things. Mm-hmm. So I think part of it is just everything drives my curiosity. And so I want to look into it. Um, I want to find details. I want to change my opinion, you know, very loosely hold my beliefs and, and realize that I don't know everything and that it's coming. Um, that's more on the philosophical side on the, on the day to day side. You know, I have a great team that um, helps me uh, by they take off all this stuff off my plate and, Um, I don't have to do it all myself. So I would never be a solo entrepreneur. Um, uh, I think you could just go so much further with a team that um, you could take some of those initial ideas and have other people, other great minds run with it. So um, that said, there's probably a couple of really good sources out there of just news and the latest and greatest thing. Uh, There's this one site in particular, producthunt.com that came out of a Y Combinator, uh, Silicon Valley startup incubator. And um, they are just this marketing site for product managers that um, has a good 20 different new products posted every day. And um, a lot of it is, is kind of garbage now or ideas that we've seen over and over again in just new ways or just common marketing techniques. But some of it every once in a while, you just get something new that's just like, huh, I never thought about the world that way. So um, just that curiosity and, and feeding that is definitely important. What are some of the challenges of working specifically with software? Um, is it changing all the time? I mean, if you, if you were to build a custom program for a company today, is it something that a year from now might be out of date? I mean, I don't just, I don't just mean like with security measures, right. but you know what I mean? Yeah, so uh, there was a story that came out recently about uh, New Jersey's unemployment system running uh, COBOL still, COBOL still, the programming language that's over 50 years old now. I was going to say, I remember that name from 1977. Exactly, and 
those still exist. Like we have a service explicitly to those systems that say, hey, here's how you modernize those and bring those into a new era. Um, that said, there is a bleeding edge of, of programming um, right now that's found in JavaScript, React, front end stuff of, of web and mobile apps. Um, Apple is uh, known for updating their operating system and, and design systems every single year, and it's totally outdating apps that you try and open and says, sorry, this app's no longer supported and it's frustrating people. Yeah. Um, that said, there is this, this popular middle ground um, and there's tried and true practices that always exist. So the real bleeding edge that we're paying attention to um, is like blockchain, um, AI and machine learning and uh, other like really cutting edge stuff that hasn't come to fruition yet. So imagine the internet back in the 90s like it's it's on that edge it's about to explode um but no one quite knows how and so that's that's the area that we're really um uh, intrepid about and and interested in but um for the majority use cases and and what we build we're looking at um shelf lives of five to ten years and we find that with all the businesses we work with, that's way past their projections where they're only thinking a year, three years out at a time. So mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's a very short life cycle overall, but it's, it's not um, it's in the same realm as business life cycles. Do you find one of the things companies come to you for is, is how to automate is, is that, I mean, when I think of software, it's like how to make things easier and you know, how to automate, tasks that you know somebody might you know think of the old pencil pusher days but is that is automation like the driving force of what you're doing automation is a huge piece of what we do so okay we talked about the innovation piece we talked a little bit about modernizing and updating systems but um automation so we have a, a solution what we call streamline which is a combination of automation and optimization so um it's, it's our belief that you can't have both together and, and we have particular assessments and, and ways of looking at business processes and um, working with business architects or just company founders and leaders um, that are playing that business architecture role of here's what tools I have and here's how they communicate with each other. And anything that a human can do now can probably be done by a computer program. It's just a question of how hard is that to automate with a computer program? Is that worth it? Um, do you get the same kind of results? So is there a trade-off in quality and speed and is that trade-off worth it? So automation speed things up really quickly or cut costs really low because a computer is a lot cheaper than a human, but at the same time, it's a lot more rigid. Um, so we call it um, fragile and, and um, able to break very easily if something that's outside of that computer software's control changes. So if you're using Salesforce, as a CRM to communicate with uh, Gmail as your email sender. If Salesforce changes their interface, is that gonna break your business process? A human can, oh, I'm, the button moved over here, I can click in a different place, but a computer looks at the software in a much different way. So knowing all that and, and where those optimizations come in, that's where we found staffing to be really interesting is that's a very process driven, um, recruiting uh, and, and HR is a very process form driven industry, just like insurance and, and finance. So those are industries that are ripe for automation still. Do you find, um, and I don't know how many 
uh, team members in your own company, but um, when you have like a high performing team member or two, and then you have other individuals who aren't, or maybe have different departments, one's high performing. Is that something software could help with? Or, and, or I'm curious for you as a business owner, how you handle that. Yeah. Um, well, so, so me as a business owner individually, we're a very small team. We're only five people. Mm -hmm. Three of us are directors and leaders and two of us are contributors. And so we all have to be high performing. What high performing means to us is um, going back to that book on range. It's very diverse. It has a very um, uh, hybrid approach to what performance means. So it's, it's very fluid and flexible. Um, high performing in a large organization that's more of a machine and has pieces and departments and components and individuals and teams that are all structured with very specific goals and are doing the same thing day in and day out. Um, like a sales organization is split into SDRs and BDRs and um, the actual closers and the bookers. And so those different um, high performing, we uh, did a really cool uh, project recently where um, we found a telecom company that um, had two high performers in their sales department. And it turns out that they always quoted the same way. And they were, they were able to quote three times faster than everybody else um, because of two or three other things. And so we were able to pull out those learnings, give the other team members the tool to do those, those same quoting techniques um, because it was just how they used the tools that were different. And so, um, being able to spread that knowledge, uh, immediately brought everyone up. So all those, uh, rep performance metrics, um, that we really like to track and, uh, the, the average per rep, um, skyrocketed. So that is absolutely uh, vital to look at. That's so crazy. I kind of asked that question. <laughs> I've been interviewing for seven years. I kind of asked it thinking, I'm sure there's a good answer, but it's probably good. That is a hell of an answer. Yeah. So that, I mean, that is really, that's amazing when you, when you recognize that there's some real genius in the way these people look at it and maybe that could be automated because not everybody has that same genius level. Yeah. And, and what, what that was able to do. So a lot of people think of automation as like, Oh, I'm going to fire half my staff and hire a computer to do all their jobs for them. Right. Well, what it was able to do was it was able to free up those genius two people, give their quoting skills and the technique that they came up with to everybody else so that they could do it too. And then free up those, those two geniuses to then go and figure out the next genius thing to do. So they were really smart in that they were able to adapt and to use their skills that a computer can't do and figure out the marketplace, figure out how to talk to customers in, in a different way. And it wasn't about cutting costs at all. It was about just raising the average performance over everybody and recognizing where those strengths lie with people. So wow. it really goes hand in hand. Um, we see a lot of enterprises changing from this old way of doing business where you had an HR department and an IT department and they each siloed their own specialties in and of themselves. But now we're seeing software spread across the entire organization as opposed to just siloed in a single department. So that's really able and it's just as important as the, the people that you create in your organization. That's awesome. Wow. Dan, what a fun interview. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I like talking marketing and, but man, you really, you really uh, shared some great information. How can people uh, connect with you and learn more about uh, vaporware? Yeah, we're at vaporware.net. Um, 
not the .com. I'm not sure who owns that one, but uh, <laughs> not you, not us. Um, you can just email me directly, Dan at vaporware.net, or find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. That's awesome, Dan. Thank you so much. You've been a wonderful guest. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Hey, folks, that wraps up this special interview with Dan Moore from Vaporware. Connect with him at vaporware.net, not .com, .net. Um, and I think that's it. Connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. Of course, you know me. I'm all over Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.